What up, y'all? Welcome to Young Adults. So glad to see you here on a Tuesday, whether you're joining us in the room or you're joining us online. We just want to say thank y'all for being here uh, tonight. We're so glad y'all are joining us. And we got a problem, okay? Because I woke up this morning and I thought I was wearing black on black, okay? But as I went throughout my day, some people started telling me that they liked my green shirt. And so I'm here to tell you that I think this shirt is black. And so what we're going to do is we're going to settle this right now. On the count of three, you're either going to say, black or green. So one, two, three. Green. That's black. I didn't hear too many blacks, but uh, I appreciate y'all's opinion, but uh, you're, you're wrong. I mean, I thought it was black for real. So it's been, it's been a confusing day for me to say the least, but I am excited uh, to be here tonight with you all as we start a new series called Change Your World, right? Change Your World. And here's the deal is that um, as we seek to uh, potentially change the world, it starts by changing our world. It starts by you changing your world, impacting the sphere of influence uh, that is around you. And so here's what I know about this crowd. Uh, research would say that nine out of 10 of you in here would give up, would actually take a pay cut in order to go to a job that aligns with your mission and your purpose and your vision for your life. So nine out of 10 of you would say, hey, me making a difference is actually more important than making money and the other one out of 10 for, of you, the other 10%, y'all just stingy, man, and you're trying to just um, make another paycheck. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. It's good to, to want that as well. Uh, but here, here's the deal, is I know this about you, is that you either want to make a difference with your life and you want to make it count, or you should be. Okay, I used to be of the opinion that I'm like, everybody wants to make a difference, right? Everyone has like a vision for their life, surely. And then at Young Adults Conference, we got to hear a testimony, a story of a guy who's in our community named Matt Henningsen. And Matt said this, he said, man, when I was younger, I just like wanted to live until I was like 40, you know, maybe have a decent job and uh, just kind of hang out and have a good time. And that was kind of all I wanted from life. And so you know, that really changed my perspective. It was like a reminder that sometimes we lack a vision for our lives. And so here's the deal, is you either want to make a difference in the world or you should want to make a difference in the world. And that's one of the unique things about God's word, about our community, about what the church preaches is that your life, yes, your life has meaning and purpose and God has a plan for you. And so that's what we're gonna be talking about in this this series, Change Your World. To change the world, it starts by changing your world, your circle, your sphere of influence. And so uh, we've actually been talking about the kind of the launching point of this series. We've mentioned this passage of scripture, this interaction between Jesus and the Gerasene demoniac, right? So uh, this guy who is demon-possessed, struggling, it's in Mark chapter five, okay? I don't have time to give you all of the background of that story, but we have on High Street Church YouTube channel, I'm gonna plug that real quick. There's a message by a guy named John Elmore from two weeks ago called Show Your Wounds. Go back and listen to that. If you're on the Young Adults YouTube channel, go back to Jared's message called Don't Shortchange the Power of God. And we break down this story that's really powerful of a guy who was stuck in all kinds of, of problems, he was isolated, he had these issues going on, but Jesus radically changed his life. And this is in Mark chapter five, and this is what it says in verses 18 through 20. It says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, 
The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. This is the Gerasene demoniac. He's begging to go with Jesus after he's been healed, after he's been changed. And in verse 19, it says this, says, but Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the 10 towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him and everyone was amazed at what he told them. So here's a man who Jesus has impacted, Jesus has healed, Jesus has radically transformed his life and Jesus doesn't just say, hey, check mark, you're good to go. Life's great and, uh, and we're good, you know? What Jesus tells him is you have something to do now. You have a mission. He gave him vision for his life. And I'm here to tell you that the word of God is living and active and it still speaks to us today in 2021. And if you're in here right now and you're breathing, God has a purpose for your life. In the same way he had a purpose for the Gerasene demoniac, he has a purpose for your life. What did this man go and do as he went and he told people about the message that had impacted him so powerfully, so powerfully. And so uh, the key to this whole thing, like as you continue to come back, and I hope you come back if you're new, welcome, uh, is as you continue to come back in this series, is this is kind of where it all starts, is that you cannot expect to change the world until you've been changed. You cannot expect to truly impact the world until you've been changed. The change starts with you. This, this, this guy who was in all of this turmoil, all of this pain, it wasn't until after he had an encounter with Jesus and Jesus had healed him and set him free from his struggles and then he was outward focused after that. The change starts internally with you. And here's the deal, this, this is the thing. You might be like, Logan, people have changed the world who aren't Christians. That's a pretty one-sided message. And I would say, yeah, there's people who have drastically changed the layout of our lives, right? There's people, you know, we think of Steve Jobs who invented uh, the iPhone, or uh, we think of all these different in- inventions and things that have impacted our world, ability to get clean water and food sources, etc. These people have impacted the world. But what I'm going to tell you is what's different. I'm not downgrading that and saying that that's not important. But here's what we believe about you, that every single person, you're, et- you're going to live for an eternity, you're, you, you know, God has etched eternity inside of our hearts. Do we, do we understand like the, the grasp of that? Like do we, can we grasp how, how big of a deal that is? That what we're saying is that making a difference, if it's just for here and right now, and it's just meeting physical needs, that there's actually things, now that's very important and very much a good thing, and God has called people to do that, but even more than that, we are supposed to speak a message of hope to people's souls. Because this is what the Bible tells us. It tells us that all of us, every single one of us, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You've fallen short. I've fallen short. You've made mistakes. You've got things you're not proud of. And I'm in the same boat with you. We have stuff that that is called sin in our lives. And what that has done is that we have God who created us and who is good, who is holy, and he's perfect. He cannot know sin. 
He cannot know our unholiness. He cannot know our wrongs and the mistake. Like that, that's not who he is. By his character, he is perfect and holy and good. And so what that did is that sin separates us from God. But God, he created us. He is a good God. He is for us. So what he did was he sent his son to die on a cross for the weight of our sins. That we have a sin debt we could not pay on our own. And so he sent his son to die on a cross for us, living a perfect life, a life we could never live so that we could be once again united with God. Where God is here, perfect, holy, good, and we're over here because we have a sin in our lives. He sent his son Jesus to bridge that gap for us and we can be united again with God. And all it takes is making Jesus the Lord of our lives. That's it. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. He is the key to our eternal life in heaven, united with our creator. He's the key that Jesus came and he paid that sin debt. And all you have to do to make someone the Lord of your life is assign over authority and say, I'm gonna place my trust in you. That that is the starting point for making a difference in our world. That's where it begins. This garrison demoniac, he couldn't go and change things until he had had a radical encounter with Jesus and he had been changed. And so as we start to look at your sphere of influence, at your life, what we've gotta do is we've gotta recognize our own need for change, our own need for change like in our heart and in our soul. That's the starting point. Every message in this series will build on that, we'll talk about that, because that is the most important piece of information in this whole thing. That's it. And so now what do we do with that? Like if, if that's where we were, some of you are already saying here, like I have a relationship with Jesus and, and that's something that I could already characterize in my life. What do we do now? Well, what my challenge to you is, regardless of where you're at, is that you've got to start doing something. You've gotta start doing something. I wanna read you this quote. It's, uh, it's from a guy named Brad Montague. And Brad Montague, I don't know if anybody knows him in here. He's actually like the, uh, the um, guy who created Kid President, okay? And so if you're familiar with that, uh, that, that's the guy who's like the brains behind the whole thing. And, and he has this quote. And I think it's one of the best things that in young adulthood, whether you're a college student, post-college student, in grad school, you've been working for five years, if you're seeking in here as a young adult to make a difference, I think this quote really impacts. He says this, he says, dare to dream, but please also do. For dreamers are many, but doers are few. Man, that's so good. Dare to dream, but please also do. For dreamers are many, but doers are few. This world doesn't, like Pastor Eddie mentioned this on Sunday, as he said that if you just have good intentions, but it doesn't lead to action, it doesn't really mean that much, does it? Those good intentions have to turn into action. Eventually, you have to do something. And I'm here to tell you, you're in the best stage of life to make a difference because guess what? Um, God willing, right, you have more years ahead of you and decades ahead of you that as you start to think about things in this manner now, the difference that you will make will compound decade after decade. And man, if you're lucky enough to live a long life, like, you, you know, and we, we would hope that we would have that, Man, if you start thinking that way now, it is gonna change the impact that you have. And so just like we kicked off this, this series and we're talking about like that launching point in Mark chapter five, 
In this same gospel in the book of Mark in chapter 10, and this is just a story telling, I mean, this is just the book that's chronicling some of what Jesus was doing in his ministry. And so at this time, Jesus is going around He's healing people, um, he's performing these miracles, he's teaching in a way that is impacting the regions that he's in. And we, we come up on this encounter in Mark chapter 10 that I think really hits home for how we can begin to make a difference in our world. And so in Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52, this is what it says. It says, then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left the town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Does anyone have a friend named Barton here? One of my best friends in high school, his name was Bart, and I always just laughed at that, you know what I mean? Because I'm like, who names their kid Bart? But he's a great guy. Uh, if his parents are watching, I'm sorry, he's, he's awesome, great name. Uh, verse 48 says, be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder. This is Bartimaeus, he's yelling. He says, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. He followed Jesus down the road. And so in 2021, right, what application do we take from what was happening here? What do we do with it? How does that help us to like understand that we need to do something? And so as we go back through this, I wanna just point out some uh, important things as we kind of break down this passage of scripture. And the first would be this. I don't know if you caught this, but uh, Bartimaeus, he shouts out at the end of verse 47. What does he say? He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And if y'all like grew up in church or something, you're like, wait, I, I thought Jesus was like the son of Joseph. Why is he calling him son of David? This is actually really important right here. Because what Bartimaeus was saying is he was making a messianic claim in this statement right here. And what I mean by that was he was saying, Jesus, you're the son of David. Now, David was a Jewish man in the Old Testament that we see. Many of y'all have probably heard of David. And so what was predicted that from the Davidic line, from the family of David, this Messiah was gonna come, this savior of the Jewish people, this person who would rescue them and redeem the people, like he was gonna come. So when Bartimaeus right here, when he calls Jesus son of David, He's saying, Jesus, I believe you are the Messiah. I believe you are the chosen one and that you've come and that your life like is different. You're not just another guy. I believe that you are actually the son of God. That's what he's saying. Like that's the weight of how important what he is saying is. And what makes this even more powerful, at this point, Jesus is still doing his ministry here. There's people that hate Jesus. There's people that love Jesus. There's people that are just trying to get to know Jesus and see like, what is he even doing? But he makes a claim and he says, I know this about you. In faith, that was the claim that he was making. 
You know, in 2 Kings uh, or 2 Samuel, to give a little more context to how important this statement was, we have uh, David has decided in the Old Testament that he is going to build a temple for God. And God is like, hold, hold up, hold up, wait, I don't want you to do that. And this is what he tells him. He says, furthermore, the Lord declares, this is, this is God speaking, giving a message to David. He says, furthermore, the Lord declares that he will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. So this passage in Samuel, what it's talking about is he's saying David had a son named Solomon who would go on to build that temple, but he's saying, hey, from this Davidic line, just like prophesied, this is hundreds of years before Bartimaeus is calling out on the side of the road to Jesus, what God has communicated in the Old Testament is that I am bringing someone from the Davidic line, a son of David, whose royal throne will be established forever. And that's what Bartimaeus, that's like the respect on the name of Jesus that he has. I think that's an important place to start, that Bartimaeus had no reason to call this out unless Jesus was doing something that was radically changing the world and he recognized it. And so as we kind of move on and and, and as we look at this, it's like, okay, how do we apply this? This is really only one point tonight. It's like three points wrapped up in one is what is the application to our life though? If we are seeking to make a difference in our world, what is the application to our life? The first thing that I want you to recognize here is what did Jesus do? Is he heard Bartimaeus. He heard him. I was talking to to Nathan Strobel, who's a guy on our team uh, last night who I talked to all the time. I was kind of running the message by him. He's like, man, like, there's no, like, accident that it lists, like, a large cloud was following Jesus. Like, Jesus was getting mobbed in these scenes, okay? There wasn't, like, I think we think of it sometimes, it's like, yeah, Jesus was, like, pedaling along the road with, like, five people. If it's big enough to call it a large crowd and worth writing down, and God wanted that included in his word, that's a big crowd. And what, like, Bartimaeus, like, stood out in that. But Jesus, amidst all the noise, amidst all the crowd, he recognized the yelling was not stopping. And so the first thing that he did was he recognized that Bartimaeus was in need. He recognized it and he heard it. And so if you're gonna make a difference in your life, one of the first things you need to start doing is recognizing the need people have around you. What are the needs that exist? Do people have physical needs? Do they have financial needs? Do they have emotional needs? Do they have spiritual needs? I don't know if you realize this is part of the reason why like this community exists is to meet needs of people. We all need community. We all need people to lean on in hard times, et cetera. But if you wanna start making a difference, recognize the needs that are around you. And I love hearing stories of people who have done incredible things who have drastically changed the world. And what it always starts with is someone recognized a need. And so you might, God like might be laying something on your heart at 20, at 30. He might be laying something on your heart that you could make a a difference in this area. Jesus, first and foremost, did what? He recognized the need. 
he heard Bartimaeus. When other people were saying, hey, be quiet. Like, what, what are you doing? He heard him and he added value to him. And so it starts, if you wanna make a difference, you have to recognize the need that people have. And if you're unsure of like what that need is, I can tell you that everyone has need of the gospel. That is the good news of Jesus, that you were created on purpose, for a purpose, you were not an accident, that God made you in his image and that he wants a relationship with you. That every single person in here, you need to understand that, first of all, but then you need to be a dealer of that hope and you need to go and share it. That's a need that we, a need that we can all meet. And a lot of times what it is, is when we meet physical needs, when we meet emotional needs for somebody, what we're really doing is hoping to bridge that gap to point them to their spiritual needs and their need for Jesus. I mean, that's... that's that's so important is to recognize that. The second thing we see here is what did Jesus do? Is he stopped. Jesus was on this path, crowd following him. I love elsewhere in the gospels, you see that uh, sometimes the disciples, right? And, and they were like, they, we're so relatable to them, okay? If you mess stuff up in your life, you're so relatable to the disciples. People were bringing little children to Jesus and the disciples were like, hey, rebuking these people, like stop bringing kids to them. And Jesus is like, whoa, 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 hold up, time out. They can actually come to me. You know why? Because anyone that has faith like a child is gonna be with me in heaven. And he stops them. That was like Jesus' things. like he's in the midst of this crowd. He's celebrity status. He's got people asking him questions. He's got people pressing in on him. And what did he do in the midst of all of that in this massive crowd was that he stopped. I think, and I know this for me, I think Satan, right? Don't get it wrong that there's a very real spiritual battle going on out there. Look at the evil in the world. Like how can you deny it? How can you deny it? One of the things Satan, I think, wants us to do the most is just for us to be distracted. We're so busy, we're going, and we got the next exam, and then we gotta take our test for grad school, and then we gotta get this job, and I gotta rise the ranks in the promotion, and I gotta make this much money, X, Y, Z. I gotta get married, have the picket fence, like all these different things, and we're so busy going to the next thing, and to the next thing, and to the next thing, that we never take time to stop, because even for some of us, we've recognized the need, but we've never stopped. And if you don't stop, you can't help somebody eventually we have to recognize the need and we have to stop. If we're just busy our whole lives, but wouldn't that be a shame if we wake up at the end of our lives whenever it may be and we realize like, man, I didn't stop. And that's kind of my story. When I was in college, man, here's what I can tell you. If you, if you are in college here, you know what I mean? Or really any stage of life, honestly, this is true. This circle that you're in right now will not be the same in five years. I missed so many opportunities because I didn't stop. You know how many people I could have shared the gospel with, a message of hope, and I didn't stop. I saw the need, but I didn't stop to do anything about it. Why? I had to do the next assignment, the next test, the next whatever. Man, and like those things, no matter what it is in life, no matter what stage of young adulthood you're in, you gotta have to stop eventually to meet the needs of people. And I think that distraction for us is a huge way which Satan just wants to keep us from doing the work that God has set forth for us. 
we have to stop. And then the last thing that we have to do is what did Jesus do? What did he do? He did something. Jesus obviously had this ability to meet the needs of what the situation was of Bartimaeus. He's crying out. He needs to see, right? And Jesus has the ability to heal him and to help him. And so he does something about it. Very practically, he does something about it. And so I think sometimes, like that's the premise of this series, if we just look at, man, I, I can't make a difference for everybody, so why would I even do anything? Like we can't get stuck in that apathy. Because uh, I love it, when I was uh, going to church here, first started going to church here, um, they, they were doing a, a, an adoption um, uh, kind of push. There was some people adopting within the church. And uh, I don't know if you guys have saw this or not, but our, our very own Jared uh, Bone, who's on staff here, and his wife Tyler, uh, and many of you all know them, um, they, they've decided to adopt. And the phrase on these t-shirts that they were selling to raise money for the adoption fund that we have here at High Street was do for one what you wish you could do for all. Do for one what you wish you could do for all. And that stuck with me. That just because you can't do it for everybody doesn't mean you shouldn't do it for somebody. Just because you can't do something for everybody doesn't mean that you shouldn't do something for somebody, that someone. We call it finding the one here. Looking with our God goggles on and seeing people the way God sees them and saying, what can I do for you? Jesus, in the midst of the crowd, he saw Bartimaeus. And I don't know if you're like me, but I've went through a lot of seasons in my life where I have not seen people the way God has desired me to. You know, I think of this, I, I, I have a house uh, here in town. Um, I mean, I, I live somewhere, so that's kind of obvious, right? Uh, um, I do have a house. Uh, and in, in my neighborhood, right, uh, I love, like, man, I would have been built for, like, the 1970s or 60s, like, suburbia, and you're just out mowing your grass, talking to the neighbors and stuff. Like, I love that. Like, I, I really enjoy it, okay? Uh, you're talking, you know, about weeds and stuff. And, yeah, this Bermuda grass is really popping up for me this year and I, I just I wish I had more of those interactions honestly that was a blessing of quarantine was to like see your neighbors and uh, I do have this neighbor on my street and uh, honestly they're, they're, they're quite a bit down but they're kind of known as like the troublemaking house and um, I've honestly they're, they're kind of viewed by the rest of the street and as you do talk to people and things uh, they're kind of viewed as like the enemy you know They've definitely done some things wrong. I've oftentimes looked at it as, man, what are they doing? What is wrong with them? Why do they think that's okay? Why do they keep their house this way? Why do they throw parties like that at this time of night? And don't they know what's going on here? And there's all this bad stuff. And, it, and, and for me, it was like, I was viewing that in a mindset of like enemy, 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 stupid, dumb, wrong. Why are they doing that? That's ridiculous. And, uh, you know, for three years, I've, I've lived in the same spot. And uh, after that message I referenced earlier where John Elmore, he talked about showing your wounds to people. And he was really talking about like seeing people the way that God sees them. I was on a walk with my family one Sunday after church. I've never been able to talk to my neighbor before, but I stopped while we were on a walk. And it's almost as if God dropped this opportunity into my lap. I'm not taking credit for this because he literally dropped this opportunity into my lap. And I had a conversation with a person 
not just an idea of what was going wrong, but I actually saw my neighbor for who they were and I saw the need that they have for Jesus. And instead of just viewing them like it's a mistake, it's an enemy, it's wrong, it's bad, I viewed them as a person who is in need of hope. And that has changed my mindset. For whatever reason, I think as I'm preparing for this series and and whatnot, God has changed my heart towards people around me. And I know that he can do the same for you, that he can give you a vision to impact the people who are around you. Man, I challenge you, just put your God goggles on this week and open your eyes. Ask God to open your eyes. There's an old Brandon Heath song, uh, and it's like, give me your eyes for just one second. And it's like 88.3 vibes. If you're a local person, uh, you know the 88.3 joke. If you're not, just tune into it for a little bit and and just see what's going on with it. Uh, But it talks about give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see. And man, like if we would start asking God that prayer, he's gonna reveal people to us in a new light and in a different way. And we will see every single person has value and need for a relationship with their creator. And uh, there's this story and it's kind of been popular as it's gone around the internet in a variety of different forms and uh, Facebook posts. Some of your aunts have shared it multiple times uh, on Facebook and things. And uh, it's this story of a bunch of, uh, there's an old man walking along a beach. And... uh, There's thousands of starfish that have washed up onto the beach. And I hate starfish. Like, if you like that, I don't want to touch that. Um, But, so like, I'm out on that. I I don't know if they can sting you, but it feels like they should be able to sting you. And so, um, this old man's walking along the beach and he sees that there's thousands of starfish along the beach. And he's just like, you know, what is going on here? And down the beach uh, a little bit further, he sees that there is this young boy and this boy is taking the starfish, just throwing them in the ocean taking a starfish, throwing it in the ocean. And the old man goes up to this boy and he's like, hey, you know that's not gonna make a difference. And I can just picture like this boy looking up to him and it made a difference to that one, he says. It made a difference to that starfish, the one that I just threw back in. It did make a difference for him. And I think that's like the mindset that we need to have in our lives is we can get so overwhelmed with the problem and we can see it as like, I might as well not do anything, but to that one person, it can make a difference. It can make a difference. And so as you go and through your life and you seek to change the world, it starts by changing your world, by seeing people the way that God sees them and by doing something, by doing something, by doing anything, by taking a leap of faith, by stepping out in faith and doing something, what would happen if everyone in here would start doing something? Slowly, in our pockets, in our spheres of influence, things would change. And you know what's awesome about your sphere of influence is nobody else has it. No one else has your sphere of influence. You're the only one that has it. And God has placed you there for a specific reason. And it's to make a difference. It's to point people towards their creator. And there's something that I didn't, uh, didn't mention from when we were going through Mark chapter 10 here, is uh, at the end of the passage, uh, or towards the middle, it says this in verse 49, when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So what does Bartimaeus do? So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said, come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat jumped up and he came to Jesus. In other translations, it will say that he threw aside his cloak. 
Do you know why that's important? Because Bartimaeus was a blind, broke beggar. He didn't have nothing. That only thing that he had was his coat. The only thing that he had was his cloak. It's what kept him warm. It's what he slept in. It's what he would likely collect money that people would drop off to him. It was his security, it was his comfort, it was the only possession that he had. And when he saw Jesus and Jesus said, come here to him, what did he do? He didn't say, "Uh, let me fold this over my arm and I'm gonna bring it with me. He didn't entrust it to one of his buddies to keep safe. He threw it aside and he ran to Jesus. He ran to him. And if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus in your life, for whatever reason, maybe it's your, your fear of leaving behind that old life that you've got, man, just throw it off and run to Jesus because he's the one who can give you comfort. He's the one who can bring you peace. He's the one who can fix this gaping hole inside of your heart and your soul and can repair your relationship with God the creator. And if you're a believer in here, man, that's a daily decision to just throw off the cloak and to put fully trust in Jesus and to trust him and to go to him. Man, that's like the faith that that we have to have. I love the story because what did he do? Bartimaeus, he followed him down the road. And some of y'all, it's like, what's my next step? Follow Jesus down the road. Keep exploring, keep asking questions keep showing up, keep engaging in community, that's the answer. I wanna ask everybody to bow your heads as we close.